Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. So if you have your Bibles with you today, you can turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. That's where we're at in this letter that Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he is addressing some stuff that has crept into the identity of the church as they are on mission in a mad world. They're in a crazy, wild city filled with every kind of vice and bit of sinfulness and religious philosophy and worldview. And uh, this is affecting the way that the church sees themselves and the mission that the church has to make a difference in that city. And that is so relevant to us. I think today, probably more than ever, our culture is so loud. It's constantly banging on the door of our hearts and our minds, and it's trying to inform us of who we are. It's trying to tell us what we should be. It's trying to tell us what we need in order to be fulfilled. And in the midst of that, we can lose our sense of identity as God's people. And along with that, we could lose the vision for how God wants to use us to make a difference in the lives of others. And as a church, we are passionate about making a difference. We believe that eternity is real. Heaven is a real place. And we want to invite people to enter into a relationship with God so that they can spend eternity in His presence, knowing His goodness, experiencing His grace. Church, this is what we are all about. And so with that, we need a vision. We need God's vision for our lives. We need to be leaders. We need to lead those around us. We need to lead our own lives. And it starts with what we believe, how we view ourselves, and out of that, how we love and reach out to others. And so today I would like to share a message with you entitled, The Mark of a Leader. And we're going to talk about some of the things that affect our leadership, that, that corrupt our own self-view, self-image, self-leadership and cause us to make mistakes. They become barriers between us and others. They become barriers to how we're able to make a difference in this world. And I also wanna, along with that, kind of share a little bit about the biggest mistake that I've made as a leader and trusting that it would encourage you to step out in a brand new way. Come on, we're gonna make a difference in this city in 2021 and beyond. God is going to do great things. And so I wanna share this message with you. I'm gonna start in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth about something that's crept in. As they've been growing in, in kind of spiritual knowledge, as they've gotten different teachers, as they've gone on the journey, and as they've experienced the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because of the immaturity that exists in them, and we spoke about this last week from chapter 3, it's evident in the way they quarrel, in the things that they focused on, in the things that they're distracted by. Uh, as, they're, as they're going along, they're experiencing a measure of success and a measure of giftedness that is exposing their immaturity, right? They say that nearly every man or woman can, can, can uh, endure adversity. But if you really want to test somebody's character, give them power. And so as the church in Corinth is growing in influence, it's also exposing their immaturity and their lack of character. And so Paul is talking to them about what it is that is their main obstacle to staying on the journey, to growing in maturity, and to being effective in their city. And the thing that is, that is tripping them up is a thing called pride. 
The Bible tells us that pride comes before the fall. Pride sets us up for failure. Pride affects our future, but grace or humility opens us up to receive grace. It opens us up for the journey to hear from God, to be shaped, and to move forward. And so he's addressing pride within them, and, and Paul says that, how do I know that you're prideful? And it was a simple, it was a simple answer. The way that Paul knew that the church in Corinth was struggling with pride is that they were judging him. They were investigating his leadership. They were rejecting him as a leader based on their own sense of we've arrived, so we don't need Paul. We know he started this church, but we've outgrown him. We don't need him to come and speak to us. We are fully formed uh, you know, fully formed Christians. This is kind of like a teenager that thinks that they know everything. They say, if you have a teenager in the home, you should ask them all the questions that you have right now while they still know everything. But the journey of maturity for all of us is actually discovering how little we know. The problem with immaturity is we don't know what we don't know. And so Paul is helping them understand that there's some things that even though they think they've progressed, they still lack and he wants to help them to have that true growth. He doesn't want them to be judging from a place of pride. Have you ever been judged? I'm sure we've all experienced being judged by others in one way or another. I'm sure we've all judged others. We've all criticized and we've all probably done it from a place of pride or, or at least from a place of, 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 of strength where we think that we're good in this area so we have the right to judge others. And, and this is not the way of Christ. This is not... Christian maturity for us to be like that. I remember when my oldest boy uh, was about 18 months old and I went out to a restaurant for lunch one day and he would not sit on his chair. I mean, he climbed onto the table again and again and again. If I took him off the table, he moaned. He was knocking the drinks over. He was trying to eat the sugar. Actually, that's what he was trying to get at. Um, a little bit of an addict at a young age for sugar. And he would literally just take the sugar packets and stuff them in his mouth and just chew them, paper and all. And so I was obviously trying to control him, but it was becoming irritating to this table next to us that had you know, parents and two teenage daughters and they were looking over at me just with daggers coming out of their eyes all the time. And I was like, man, I need help here. You know, an encouraging word, a prayer, intervention from Jesus, anything. But I, what I don't need right now is your judgment. And it's so easy when we've forgotten what it was like to be a, a parent of a young child. It's so easy for us to move over into, I'm beyond that, so I have the right to judge. And this is what the church in Corinth were doing with Paul. Their pride was leading to judgment, and they were beginning to judge Paul's ministry. So Paul warns them that they aren't his judge, that the, the, the church is not the ones to whom the leaders submit, but that they actually are in submission to the one who called them, that it's actually God who gave them the responsibility, and to God uh, they will give an account. And so we're going to look a little bit at that here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there right now. It says, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1, Paul says, This is how one should regard us, the leaders, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now let me stop there for a moment before I continue to say that that word servants there really means one who has been given charge of a household. This is like a master going away and putting somebody in charge, saying, this is my home, 
this is how I want you to take care of it. And when I come back, you will give an account of how you've looked after the home, how you fulfilled the task, the charge, uh, the role, the call that I gave you in this moment. So I'm a servant of Christ, Paul says, and I'm a steward. We are stewards of the mysteries of God. He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about this message that's supposed to go out to the world. And he's saying to the church that if we are going to be prideful, we're not going to be able to fulfill God's call on our lives. We're going to be so wrapped up in ourselves, we're going to become judgmental. And you'll know if you've ever tried to reach out to somebody that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't come to church, one of the first things that switches them off from hearing the message of the mysteries of God is when they feel judged, is when they feel that, that Christians are judgmental and think they're better than everybody else. That's not the attitude of Christ. That's not the attitude of Paul. That's not how we should regard ourselves. We're called to humility. That's what Christian maturity looks like, to be humble, to be submitted, and to follow after Christ as his servant. So we are servants and stewards. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me, Paul says. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. And so Paul, writing to this church, he says, you know what? Judgment is not ours. It's not for us to judge. Judgment belongs to God. And as a leader, I will stand before God and I will be accountable to him, to how I fulfilled the calling that he gave me. That's why he said it is for leaders, it is for servants to be found faithful. My question to you today, in leading your own life, in submitting to your own uh, pastor, if, if I'm not your pastor, if you are a part of any church or any community, anybody that's got that role in your life, in walking out this calling, when Jesus returns, will you be found faithful? Because that's all that's required. It's, it's not, and, and Paul is, is kind of, there's a double meaning here to the church in, in Corinth because he's saying to them, on the one hand, the only thing that I am worried about, that I'm concerned about, is being found faithful to the call that God has given me. I, I don't care whether or not you think I'm the greatest pastor, the flashiest pastor, you know, that my shoes look the best or that I have your pref preferred style of preaching or that, you know, it's not really whether you think I'm doing a good job or not. What I'm concerned about is whether or not God thinks I'm doing a good job or not. And I think that's such a great key for us uh, to break free from the expectations of our culture. We're not trying to impress others. And where I spoke about the biggest mistake that I've made as a leader, this is where it comes in. For far too long, my concern was too much in how I was perceived, in how others would judge my leadership, in what people would think about me, in how you know, whether they would look at me and go, wow, he's really a, a great pastor or a great preacher. Or, and, and when people expressed disappointment in me or criticized my leadership, it made me feel like I had completely failed. 
That's the biggest mistake I have ever made as a leader, and sometimes I still make it. I'm still trying to impress or convince or, uh, you know, prove myself to others rather than simply asking myself the question, am I being faithful? That's all. And my heart is and my prayer is that God will help me and will help you get to the place where we are no longer concerned about the judgment of others or the opinions of others, but that we're simply being faithful. Let me, because you might be saying, hey, that's not me. I'm not really so concerned about that. But when last did you share your faith with somebody? When last did you tell somebody about Jesus and invite them to accept the message of the cross? I would hazard a guess to say that many of us haven't done that for a long time. Why? Because we're worried about what people will think. And I'm not saying that you should just, you know, knock on doors and stop people in the streets necessarily unless God leads you to do that. I'm not necessarily saying that you've got to become weird and, and irritate people. But, but so often we never share the, the message of the gospel because we're worried about what people will think. But if we're more worried about being found faithful than what people will think, we will find that our mission will, it, it, will, it will accelerate. We will be able to reach more people and invite people to church and make a difference because we're not worried about opinions, we're worried about faithfulness. So that's the first thing that Paul's saying, saying, I'm not really judged by you, whether you think I'm a good leader or not. What you, he says, I was present with you in weakness. I didn't look like the grand leader of like Apollos or, you know, some grand orator or somebody that's going to like, you know, motivate you into a new dimension. No, he's like, I came and I was pretty weak and my speech was poor and I was trembling while I spoke and, I, you know, I was semi stuttering and it wasn't very convincing from a human perspective. But don't judge my leadership on that because you're not my judge. You're assessing before the time. And so he's saying, number one, it's not really relevant to me what you think about my leadership. It's what I care about is what God thinks. But number two, he's actually using this as a warning to say, when you judge, you run the risk of that judgment, that attitude, that pride being exposed when Jesus returns. So church, it's not for us to judge, it's for us to love. It's for us to encourage. It's for us to submit. It's for us to stand by. It's for us to support. That's how we reveal the heart of Christ. The Bible says that let the same heart be in you that was in Christ Jesus also, that he cared about others, that he did not cons you know, consider uh, you know, equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself and became a servant to all. We cannot be on mission. We cannot make a difference and we cannot reach people if we're not going to serve, if we're not going to be humble. This hurts. This hurts because we always want to say, we always want to put the primary value on ourselves and say, I'm good. I'm great. I'm the one. We're the ones. We're this. We're that. We're better. We're... But if we're really going to become like Christ, if we're really going to make a difference, we have to become servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. That steward, once again, expresses that idea of God has entrusted the message of the gospel to you. It's a mystery how we can be so sinful and then just through what Jesus did on the cross and our faith in that action be made right with God. It's a mystery, but it is a life-changing truth that we carry. God has put heavenly treasure in our earthly bodies 
and we are called to be faithful servants and faithful stewards of that message. That's what we call to church. That's what Paul is saying. And leaders, all the more. Leaders are called to do that. And so in some ways, Paul is actually warning them not to be found out when Jesus returns. Just like he did in the previous chapter, speaking about how the day will declare what kind of life that they build. And this reminds me of a time that we were, you know, we were four siblings growing up and my brother was the youngest. And my brother... Um, one day, and he was young, maybe five, six, seven years old, I can't remember, but um, he decided that today was the day that he was going to rebel against his leader at that moment, which was my dad. And this is kind of what the church in Corinth is doing. They're rebelling against Paul, their father, the one who established that church. And, uh, and, And in rejecting their leadership, they're rejecting God's wisdom and God's leadership. And so it reminded me of when my brother was in the car and my dad reprimanded him for something he was doing and he said I don't care what you say and as siblings we all slowly turned and looked at my brother greatly concerned for his safety and well-being and we said Nick don't do that and he he doubled down rather than letting up he doubled down and he said I don't have to listen to you and my dad just remained calm and said to him it's okay we'll see what happens when we get home we'll see if you need to listen to me or not and we were concerned for my brother's safety and my brother's life. We turned and we said, please, Nick, we were begging him at one point, don't double down anymore. Just stop. Just say, sorry, Dad. We love you and we want you to live. And so Paul, in some way, is saying this to the church. He's saying, don't double down on your arrogance. Don't double down on your pride. You know, submit to the, the, the humility, the example of Christ. Don't be full of yourselves so that you can no longer learn and no longer grow. And that's what pride does. Not only does it prevent us, not only does it close the doors to us being effective ministers of the gospel, to reaching people because we're so judgmental, but it shuts the door on our growth. It shuts the door on our maturity, and we will remain spiritually immature, wasting our time and our effort on things that truly do not matter because we're overly concerned with ourselves. And so Paul, in his love for the church, is writing this to them. He's saying, stop judging according to human wisdom. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm amongst you as a preacher, but I'm not the kind of preacher that, you're, that you wanted. I'm not the, the grand orator. I'm not the inspiring guy. But I come with the message of the gospel that is life-changing. And in noticing their immaturity and in noticing their focus being in the wrong place, he says, I can't even give you solid food. So I'm going to give you milk until you grow to that point. In essence, in passing judgment on Paul and investigating his leadership, they betrayed their own lack of understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ. We are servants and we are stewards. What is the mark of a leader, therefore? Well, the mark of a leader is to be trustworthy. In the true sense of that word, it means to be worthy of the trust that has been placed in your care. And the Bible says that God has given each of us a role, each of us a call, each of us a place to to exercise that. But are we being faithful to it? For many people, church has simply become a little bit of dose of inspiration once a week or, 
you know, a place that they attend just to get a bit of community, but they don't take with true seriousness, with true trustworthiness, the beauty of the call of God on their lives. Do you know today that you are called as a steward and as a servant? Paul says it's not about eloquence, it's not about wisdom, nor is it about, you know, initiative or success. Uh, you know, our, our more standard requirements, but faithfulness to the trust that has been placed within us, the kind of trust God puts in those that serve him. One of the things that I think is so amazing about what the scripture says and other places in scripture that talks about that kind of judgment is that it says that when Jesus comes, he will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. This is where authenticity comes in. This is where integrity comes in. And so on that day, we will be fully known. We will be fully known to those around us. We will be fully known as we are before God, but we will also fully know ourselves. It will be a moment where we will know this is, yeah, this is what was really happening in my heart. And so Paul is saying that, why don't we take a moment to look at our own hearts? Are we prideful? Are we judgmental? Are we blocking the mission of God because we're so full of ourselves and so you know, concerned about ourselves? Or are we being faithful? And that's the option that we have. Um, in, that, in that hour, none of our self-evaluations as to our worth in the kingdom is going to count for a thing. It's only our faithfulness to the gospel itself. Church, we've got to be faithful. Paul then carries on, um, and I won't go too deep into all of this, but, but Paul carries on by contrasting their earthly view of leadership, and even Paul's leadership, with true leadership, true apostleship. They believe that they've arrived, but Paul says he's like a man condemned to die in the arena. They believe that they are wise and strong and ones who are due the honor of others. But Paul says that before the world, they are foolish and weak and very often dishonored. You think I'm supposed to be like you, Paul is saying. You think that I'm supposed to arrive with pomp and ceremony and pride, but actually, you should learn from me. You should imitate me as I imitate Christ. Because to be a servant means to be a servant of Christ. It means to go the way of the cross, to be like Jesus in humbling himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. That is spiritual maturity. Let's read here for a moment in how, how Paul describes this. Um, he says, I've applied the, all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit. He says, we're servants and stewards. That you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, not to go beyond what we know to be true. That none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. You see, this is not pride puffs up and it, it sets people against each other, creates division. Not to be puffed up one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? So if we stop there for a moment, Paul's saying that everything that we are is a gift from God. 
Pride has given us a high view of ourselves and a low view of others, but when you truly know that everything, if you truly are a believer in the gospel, in the grace of God, then you know that anything that you are and anything that you have is the result of the gift that God has given you. It's the result of grace. So he says, what do you have that you didn't receive as a gift? And if then you received it by grace, then why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Why, do you, why are you proud of something that you received as a gift? See, humility begins, it comes from us recognizing that, we have, that all that we have and all that we are is a gift from God. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Those who experience grace in this way develop a culture of gratitude, a heart of gratitude. You know, and, 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 and I can tell you, I said before that one of my biggest mistakes I've made as, as a leader um, was worrying too much about the opinions of others, caring too much about what, what people thought about me, and wanting to please them, wanting to prove myself to them rather than just being a faithful steward uh, to the call of God. But if I've made another mistake, and it's equal to that, it's been pride. It's been thinking too, of, too highly of myself. And as I've gone through brokenness and failure in my own life, those failures God has used to humble me. And I'm not there yet. I would say I'm still a long way from being truly humble the way that God desires for me to be. And it's still something I wrestle with. But you know what it did? It brought me to the end of myself. Many times when we face these broken moments, when we face our failures, it is doing something really rich and really expensive in our lives because it is bringing us to a place of humility, a place where we know that, that you know, what we have or what we are is only a result of the grace of God. And I want to tell you that so often I look at my life now, I look at who I'm becoming, I look at my relationship with God, I look at my family, I look at the things I hope to achieve, I look at all of that. And rather than feeling proud of myself, I only feel grateful. I experience that heart of gratitude. Now, not enough yet, not enough yet. I need more, but it's a journey, and I'm so grateful to God for that. So the experience of grace, if you experience God's grace, it produces a posture of unbounded gratitude in your life. The people like the people in Corinthians that thought themselves especially gifted with spirit, this, you know, the spirit and with wisdom, they felt that this enabled them to judge others. And this simply reflected a total misunderstanding of grace, and it caused them to quite miss the humili humility of God that is expressed in Jesus and in the cross. And so that's not what we want to be. Boasting, therefore, is a sure evidence that we've missed the gospel of grace. So Paul moves now into this little section of what I would call biting irony. He, he is saying that, oh, you think you're the great leaders. Yeah, you're honored and you're celebrated and you're all these things, but I am just a lowly guy. And he's not saying that in kind of like a self-effacing way. He's just, he's just bringing a contrast to how they live and think about themselves compared to how Paul, as an apostle, is actually living his life. And so let's look at that contrast, that biting irony for a moment here. Um, in verse 8, he says, Already you have all you want. Come on, you've arrived. Already you've become rich. 
Without us, you have become kings, and would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. He's kind of like saying, oh, you guys are amazing. You're, you've got everything. You're, 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 you've arrived. You're kings. And oh, please, could we just rule with you as, as kings? We're just lowly apostles, but you're great kings. Please, could we rule with you? For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and we thirst. We're poorly dressed dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and still are like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Man, this must, this must have hit the people in Corinth so hard. You know, they, they're eating some humble pie. They, oh, you think you've arrived. And Paul goes, but we're treated like scum. We, 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 are, we suffer slander and disrepute and hunger and thirst. We're working with our own hands. We're not above all those things. He says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. You see, a father will speak truth to you. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. I'm not going to become prideful like you. I want you to become humble like me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ. As I teach them everywhere in every church, some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? He's saying that it's, it's easy to talk, it's easy to be prideful, but I am going to come. And then I will know whether, you know, the arrogance counts for anything. Has it given them real authority or does it come through humility? And when I arrive, I want to be able to speak to you as people that have surrendered themselves to God, not as those who still need to be disciplined, still need to be addressed, and still need to find that humility, find that humility with that pride having been broken over their lives. So Anchor Church... We've only just begun. No matter how long you've been on this journey, we are not full. We have not arrived. We are not at a place where we know it all. No, we want to take on the attitude of what can we learn? What can we, how can we grow? How can we follow the example of Paul, be imitators of Paul as he imitates the attitude of Christ, which is not to think highly of ourselves, but to humble ourselves before our leaders, those that are, that to whom God has entrusted our spiritual growth and journey, to humble ourselves before our leaders, to, humble, to, to submit to one another in reverence to Christ, and to become the kind of people that God can mold and God can shape to make a difference in this world.